Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley-Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The greater the length, the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. Prost is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about Prost, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. The Penile Rehabilitation Program was created by Melissa at Restorative Sexual Health. This is an online program to assist turning software into hardware without leaving your home. This program was designed for people who live in areas where access to health professionals in this area is not available, or for those who are just too busy to attend consults, or even for those who just feel more comfortable learning at home with online learning and consultations online. For more information about this program, please go to www.rshealth.com.au. Prost means cheers to your health, so Prost to you. November 11th. 11 a.m. 60 seconds kids watch on the wall in the pub in the tab in the cars we remember and wonder what Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. So today we're speaking to Steve Sterling who is a lovely gentleman or well, actually he's not a gentleman as you'll soon find out. He <laughs> has is a physiotherapist who um, got cancer at a few years ago now and he's going to tell us that story but from that he has come up with this amazing invention to help other people in the same situation and so I first met Steve in June 2021 and today Joe and I are going to talk to him about his journey and his amazing invention. So welcome Steve, welcome Jojo. Great to have you Steve, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story. We look forward to seeing what others can learn from you today. Been interesting one, won't it? Thanks for having me. So first up, give us a little background of what happened, like how old you are now and how old you were when you got diagnosed and what happened? I was 50 when I was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. A very lucky find because fall led to a broken sacrum, which led to discovery at the same level of the cancer. So where was the cancer? Uh, Right at the bottom end of my rectum. Mm-hmm. So about seven and a half centimetres above and it was wrapped almost completely around. It was almost an open and closed job. Uh, when they found it by colonoscopy, the surgeon said, don't think we can do anything with this, inoperable. But he hadn't listened, had he? Because I had my physio head on and I knew what had happened. I'd had an accident, broke my sacrum, it banged into the rectum yep. and he got caught on it because there was a bit of bone sticking out already from a previous break. Oh, you've been adventurous. So if you yeah. hadn't have had that fall and broken your sacrum... I'd have been goosed. You wouldn't know, would you? Because you had no symptoms. That's right. Well, as it happens, yes. But you put those symptoms down to depression, bad marriage, drinking. 
and and no, that loss of energy and irritable bowel was actually cancer. Okay, actually, cancer. But you and were been ignoring there for it years. Okay, and you were just ignoring that and putting it down to bad Other lifestyle things. choices. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So Which happens. Mm-hmm. Mm. A lot. Mm. Particularly to men, I think, more than women. Stoicism, isn't it? Mm. So any yeah, men out right. there listening, if you think something's not right, don't make excuses for it. Get checked. Mm. So <laughs> what happened next? Yep. So um, they put me straight on that program where they um, poison you and then they zap you and, and they rest you after a while. Interestingly, got my energy back as soon as we we're into the second half of that chemo radio phase. My energy was coming back. It was wow. hitting that tumour, yeah. uh, and I was able to start really getting, even though I was really sick, I could keep working at building my fitness back up because my thing immediately was, what's my job? What can I do? Yeah. And I knew that the fitter I was, then the easier the journey would be for me and the less of a chance the cancer had. So for those of you that don't know, just by upping your exercise by a really small amount, you can improve your chances by 38%. Of Surviving cancer. Survive year, survival at five years, 38% increase just by a little bit of extra exercise. It's nuts. And they're not plastering on the walls in the clinics in, in the cancer surgical places. It's, it's, it's beyond me. I don't understand why. So this is an interesting mm. thing. You're a physiotherapist mm. in your real mm. life. Mm-hmm. And you didn't know these statistics or have this much knowledge, did you, until you became a patient? That's correct. Mm. That, is a, that is absolutely bang on. And once, once I was now on the receiving end of healthcare... It's a case of, right, what can I do? What's my bit? And, and off I went on my search. Yeah. Well, being a physiotherapist too, Steve, mm. we didn't get this sort of training in our coursework. Mm-hmm. The cancer and exercise weren't really, you know, buffed mm. together. Mm-hmm. But the exercise physiologists have done a lot of work in that. And there's now mm. a, an international, like, um, statement where mm. they talk about exercise is medicine. Mm-hmm. And they talk about doing... Um, this is for cancer specifically, mm-hmm. um, three hours of cardio and resistance per week. Mm-hmm. So maybe a circuit mm-hmm. type gym session and then half an hour of walking per day or 150 minutes, five days per week. So when you add up how many hours there are in a week, it's, you know, 2% of a whole week or something. It's not very much. So mm-hmm. No. And uh, so surely we can all find that if it means fighting cancer. Mm-hmm. So you got through the chemo and the radiation and then what happened? And then they chopped it out. <laughs> that was October 19. Um, that that was uh, what they call an ultra-low anterior resection, mm-hmm. which uh, always involves uh, um, a period of resting the bottom end of the bowel once it's been sewn back together again. So they divert the waste pipe mm-hmm. to the side of the body, and they call that a stoma. And I had what's known as an ileostomy. Mm-hmm. So, bag hanging off the side of the body, catching the waist. And this is at the front in your abdominal area? On the side of the body, yep. yeah. They go through your normal rectus muscles. And it's a bit of a crap deal, truth be told. It's actually mm. a very crap deal, mm. isn't it? Mm. Because but it saved your life, so get on with it. That's mm. how it works. You've had your life saved and you'd be grateful, and I am. Yeah, but you had mm. crap coming out of your stomach instead of your bum for a while. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. how did that make you feel? Because you were a young guy then. How old were you when all this happened? Well, I was 15. 50. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I was 15. And um, just before surgery separated, so on my own and having to manage the whole thing by myself. Mm-hmm. I I struggled. Yeah, I struggled. I struggled with the, um, the principle of it, for one thing. Um, but what came with that was the, the practicalities of... 
this pouch that's got an opening at the bottom that you've got to unfold and then lean over a toilet and squeeze the waist out. And not only is it so undignified and uncomfortable doing that, and that was me, fit, mm. not someone who's a lot older, arthritic. And with a medical background. Yeah, 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 um, absolutely. And and Did you real like, before... I'm sure in your job before mm. you would have come across people having stomas before, but mm. did you actually realise yeah. how life-changing it would be until you had one yourself or was no. that like a complete eye-opener? It was a, it was, um, it, it, it was an eye-opener. Um, I think, first of all, from the point of view of um, the day-to-day management of this and how, how careful the, the set of skills that you need um and how really fastidious you have to be with 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 the skills you've been trained in mm. yeah to not get it wrong and and also i guess the impact of when it does go wrong and you're out in public mm-hmm. because bags do pop off yeah and and waste does leak out the side particularly when there's skin damage yeah and when that happens it's just <laughs> it's just not cool no. <laughs> i remember yeah. many years mm. ago i had a mm. lovely young guy sent to me with mm. pelvic pain mm. and he had, you know, sacral mm. um, cancer. So he had quite a large section of his sacrum removed in the same ileostomy bag. Mm. And I remember he was in this beautiful white silky shirt and steady one, this really handsome young guy. And I wanted to check his pelvic floor, which was mm. just through a trans-abdominal ultrasound probe. And just as he went to lift up his shirt, I'll never forget, he said, oh, shit. And he <laughs> went, literally. <laughs> and there was mm. just, it was mm. just seeping everywhere. And Mm. I didn't anticipate just the accident that was unfolding. Mm. Grabbed all these men's continence pads that were mm. just around the room and just mm. stuffing on me. But I, I just remember saying, I, I mean, I was speechless. Mm. And he he just said, I feel so bad, and I couldn't mm. imagine how mm. mortified and embarrassed he had. Mm. was and mm. um, on the inside I just said to myself not as bad as I do hopefully mm. <laughs> you know but but it was just so stark and then just mopped him up and then we did what we did but I it was very confronting for me and um, mm. sadly he passed away not long after that but it was a it was mm. a hell of a, a situation for him yeah would that happen very often it depends on the condition of your skin yeah it really does though I mean the worse it is the the, the more likely because of the 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 base plate for the, the pouch won't 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 adhere. Won't adhere. So just for the people mm. listening that probably don't understand that, when mm. you have a stoma bag, they pull a little bit of your bowel out onto the front of your body. This is a very layman's terms. I'm explaining it, and then around that, you need to stick something onto the skin around it, and then attach the bag to collect the waste. The problem is, is that the skin around it on your abdomen isn't used to having poo and wee and other things and on of and mm. sticky stuff, so it breaks the skin down. And then often people will find it painful and also really difficult to get that thing to stick and then it can leak. So it's probably not something that you think about until you actually have Mm. one. And Mm. Steve, having Mm. gone through this, has come up with an amazing solution to that. But first, Steve, before we go into that, let's Mm. talk about how did having this stoma, so you you know that you're going to survive the cancer, Mm -hmm. you got this stoma and it's going to be reversed, but how long did Mm. you have to have it for and then how did that affect your day-to-day life and how you felt about yourself in general as a man? Um, I think that uh, in some ways I, I was 
fortunate that I had other things to be contending with and that I wasn't prepared to let this get in the way of, ev- particularly given that I had everything else to be dealing with. So they had found other bits of tumour in the bowel that they chopped out. Mm-hmm. So they put me on an additional round of a double whammy of chemo. Wow. And that knocked the daylights out of me. And in actual fact, halfway through that course of treatment, I made the decision to to peel out of the chemo halfway because I was losing sensation in all my digits. Okay. And power and eyesight. Right. And it was a really difficult decision and 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 I I know with the best intentions the the the, the oncology team were very encouraging about staying on the program but you know they're saying things like well you know if you stay the course you've got 67% survival at 5 years and if you don't well you're only at 57%. Mm. Oh, okay, I'm quite prepared to take that risk. And and when I put the stats together, right, if I had stayed on that program and found myself getting more and more ill and having permanent changes like loss of sensation and power, I wouldn't have got back to running, climbing, all the things in life that were really important to me. And, and it was literally, it was pulling my life away from me. And I knew that I would end up drinking again. Mm. I knew that I would end up in other bad habits. And, and so probably more likely than the 57% to diet before five years. Whereas if I put the stats together on improved choices of lifestyle, um, the fitness, the, 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 the food, the having good relationships um, that don't cause you stress, then actually I put myself at 120% survival yeah, 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 okay. with my age. So really yeah. you mm. chose the risk mm. of having quality of life over quantity. Yep. Yep, fair yep. enough. Uh, and took the stats to the GP, said I can't argue with that, but are you at peace with it if it comes back and gets you? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So Your choice. Yep. 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 Pilled out and then within a day or so allowed myself to think about the short term. Mm-hmm. So, right, short term, cool, right, okay, uh, where's the surgeon? I'm back to see the surgeon, <laughs> to get mm. rid of this bugger. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the, the point of um, the stoma bag is about resting the bowel. They're not going to reverse that until you've done the, uh, the chemo and, and covered as well as much as you're going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the longer mm. you had chemotherapy, the... Longer time with the stoma bag. With the stoma bag, yeah. 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 I wouldn't let that influence my decision, even though I really wanted to get rid of it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you then, and during that time, you weren't mm. involved in a relationship, were you? No, no, no. I wasn't, no. And then, so how long did you actually have the bag for? Six months. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. got it reversed? Got it reversed. Yeah. Um, and very quickly forgot that it had been there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Back, we're back. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. But saying that, you know, obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm still focused on Stoma World at the minute because of the project that I'm doing. So That's right. Yeah. And so then when did you discover that there were these ongoing effects that you had, like this pelvic pain and this erectile dysfunction? Like how long after? Because I imagine during that six months you probably mm. weren't really thinking about these things and then you got to a point where, well, now life's about living instead of fighting and these other things mm. became more important. Yes, that's a really interesting one because there was all sorts of things to be dealing with, right? Um, hadn't really dealt with the fact that I was still quite scared mm-hmm. of, of this whole experience and On your the general possibility. M- mentality, yeah. risk. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't mm-hmm. really given that a chance um, to surface. Um, the erectile dysfunction, I found out about it 
very quickly because of my nature <laughs> and, and was really, you know, disappointed that it wasn't poking out. And How quickly uh, was that? Does that immediate after the surgery or...? Yeah, I was trying when as soon as I got discharged home, I was trying to see if I was up for it or not. But <laughs> did you did you get yeah. pre warned that you would have erectile dysfunction? Good question. No. Mm. And you know the really strange thing about that is that we're on ninety seven percent of people who had an ultra low anterior section. Ninety seven percent of of those that have that surgery will have erectile dysfunction. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And I guess in a and way, I don't yeah. I don't blame them for not telling me all of the bad news. Mm all of the complications that can occur, but um, no, I wasn't aware. Okay. Because in our population of prostate cancer, they didn't mm. used to talk very much about it, but, you know, it's a it's a massive part of that discussion for, for men around their mm. quality of life as well. So I was just mm. curious to see what, mm. where it was only, a, mm. what, three, four years ago. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so you figured that out. And then when, mm. how did you, we, did you ask your doctor, your oncologist, anyone about how you could deal with that? Eventually, I fronted up with my GP and said, um, what should I do about this? Mm -hmm. um, and he, he prescribed me some medication. Mm -hmm. um, which that was Viagra or Cialis? No, it was the Cialis, yeah. Yeah, the mm -hmm. Tadalafil. Yeah. yeah. And it was only partially effective, but it was a low dose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I raised the subject with the surgeon. He said, ah, oh, it's just nerve damage. End of story? End of. And I, I'm still not prepared to accept that that is yes yes nerve damage occurs and yes mm. this will be as a consequence of nerve damage but but there's more yeah there's and more to it and we need to explore it yeah and mm. then you came to see me didn't you so I did. how did you find me I found you on the internet mm -hmm. uh, I, I just thought right um, because I'd moved to Perth this at this point uh, from Bunbury and I just went off on a search to find out what can be done about this one because this was now at a stage where it was important to me. At some point, I would be in a relationship. Yeah. Uh, and whether or not I was in a relationship, um, it was still an issue. Yeah, because mm. at this stage, you were focusing on moving forward and not being a cancer patient anymore. That's right. And that suddenly is important. And yeah. we see that a lot, yeah. don't we, Joe? Oh, absolutely. That, yeah, you know, when we first yeah. see people, mm -hmm. you know, and it's a pre-cancer consult, mm -hmm. They're right. often like, oh, no, I don't care about that. doesn't matter. I just want to get rid of the Every cancer. Every day I've had that conversation two or three times. Exactly. Mm. And then already they mm. get to the point where, oh, actually, I'm going to survive this. And actually it does mm. matter now. And mm -hmm. so I think our biggest message to people is mm. think about it before because prior preparation prefer, pre prevents just, a piss poor performance. <laughs> and oh. also just understanding, you know, what mm. help you can get if you know all the facts from the beginning so, yeah, it's just uh, having the opportunity, we think, to have every aspect of your potential side effects and recovery addressed. And then you can pick and choose when, when you want to do that. But to, to be thinking that you have to find find your own sources of that is pretty disappointing. That's an issue to me. Mm. I, I, I think that we should be made aware. Um, I say we, patients. People who have gone through this experience should be made aware of what to expect and what can be done. Because mm. lots can yeah. be done. Exactly. Mm. So and how did Melissa mm. help you? We jiggled around with medication and, and um, we found that to be partially effective. That was oral medication, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It yeah. was pretty good, but it was a bit like half a snagger instead of a full snagger, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, you know. Footy yeah. frank, not a... One of my <laughs> patient's <laughs> wives said to me, I want it to be really hard because there's no point turning the Barbie on for half a snagger. And I love that. So I think we gave you half a snagger. 
<laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what did we do? Mm. What, what else did we do? Um, well, we explored a couple of devices that, um, and well, we've got a couple of issues. Though. We obviously we've got nerve damage, so that so that that's going to be one part of the issue. We've got the psychological element of it. That that that's that's a real confidence hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've um, we've then said, right, well, that medication isn't 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 really doing the job, isn't doing the full job. So, but we've also got issues that have been identified with Peronis. Mm-hmm. So that are those little scar tissue things that impact on blood flow, impact on the ability of the penis to 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 fully grow out, expand. Mm, that's right. So we took a yeah. bit of a three pronged approach, didn't we? We yeah. can I just ask, mm. was Peroni's mm. ever evident before the surgery? No, no. So it was a no. acquisition of post treatment. It yeah. was, yeah, and and quite possibly there'll be some self sustained damage from because I was I was. <laughs> I was given I was given a um, an A4 piece of paper held to self catheterize because I was discharged home with a catheter from the main surgery. Yeah. So this is how you're going to do your, your self catheterization when you do your own testing of, of can your bladder function or not. Yeah. Uh, and I know that I've caused some damage. Traumatized in that because, it a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. whether that's been the cause of the the peronies mm. or whether it's been you know the multiple catheterizations and quite often withdrawals. it's reduced blood flow because of the nerve damage sustained sure. over a period of time. Yeah, mm. Mm. and that's that's possibly mm. the the one cause. It, yeah, it could, yeah, and it might not be the others, might it? But no, no. I suspect it's, there, it's more it? likely to be what Joe said and that yeah. lack of blood flow. Yeah, but so we've talked a lot on the podcast about um, injections and mm. pumps and things. So mm-hmm. we'll. And because I really want to get to your mm-hmm. invention, which helps other men deal with this stuff. So I think in mm. summary, and tell me if I'm wrong, we basically, you had a lot of pelvic pain as well. So I mm. sent you to um, one of Joe's colleagues mm-hmm. that she trained um, for pelvic pain and that helped, yep. didn't it? Pelvic yep. release. Yep. And, and has been um, really useful. It's ongoing with the other issue that's come from the complications from surgery, which is a bit difficult with continence at the back end. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. you've um, mm. so that's helping, yep. and then we dealt with the like the degradation really of your penis from not exercising by mm. getting you on a pump regime. Got on a pump regime, and then Went we for leather. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. improved. It uh, gone. Sorry, sorry, go. What were you going to say then? Can't remember. <laughs> you were going to say you watched it grow again, grow back again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Is he, is he yeah. looking pretty good now? You're happier with how he's looking now? Um. Yeah. I. I. I I don't think that the the pump was sufficiently effective in my case. Even though I went hell for leather with it, um, I, it 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 certainly um, it hasn't fully dealt with the the peronies. Mm-hmm. Whether that's because I haven't given it enough of a go in frequency, I, I don't know. I don't think that's it because I really did give it a, a good stiff effort. I think you've given it a very good go. Yeah, very hard go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm just starting to remember my puns now. Yeah, they're coming out. <laughs> I can hear them stiff, hard. Yeah, getting yeah going. they're coming, they're coming. Yeah, <laughs> they're so coming, I hope to coming. as well. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so uh, um, with the pronies, I, I think we've got partial effect from the, the vacuum um, device, but it takes a lot of patience and a lot of tolerance, and so I'm very open to other opportunities. And you've introduced the injection therapy to me, therapy to me and that, that's been... That is the solution, certainly for the for this interim period. Mm-hmm. For sexual yeah. performance, not Peronis. 
Yeah. Yep. For both. Do you feel like it's I helping believe, your parade? I believe I've got this theory going. I'm always hypothesizing, right? Yeah. So my hypothesis on this is inject often enough, blow it out just like the vacuum pump would, but really blow it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will, for a couple of different reasons, um, I think will help with the stretching out of the peronies. Yeah. Um, and I also think that because I'm getting a jolly good hard on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Roger. having a properly <laughs> nice time with it, right? A jolly Roger. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that it's, that's doing all sorts of things that are positive. So the first thing that's positive is that I have the confidence to know that this thing isn't going to disappear on me in the moment I change position or the moment I, I take my mind off it or the moment I get a slightest bit of anxiety which just causes it to flop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Uh, so that I know isn't going. It's not going to go away. Mm. Uh, well, it's not only is it not going to go away, but we've also got the issue of making sure that it it does go away. Yeah, and that's been another interesting and fun challenge. Yes, it has. Yeah. Yes, mm. yeah. But you, yeah. we've got that. We've yeah. tweaked it now. Yeah, we we, we tweaked it. Yeah, you know yeah. exactly yeah. how long for it to last. Yeah, if anyone does try the injection therapy, do get that Sudafed ahead of time. Otherwise, you will end up in ED. <laughs> <laughs> Really embarrassed, saying I'm going to need a stiff drink after this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. So that the first thing I think is that that there's a confidence issue there that raises happiness, that puts the right chemicals in your whole brain and your body in 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 a, in a good place. From that, I hypothesise neuroplastic changes can happen. When I say neuroplastic changes, that means your nerves can can be given the right environment to change to start totally to regenerate. Agree with you. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm I'm right into this concept that if I do this for long enough, often enough, that I've I will give it the best opportunity that it can have to actually properly repair. It's interesting. There's a great book. I don't know if you two have read it called "The Body Keeps the Score." Right. Excellent book, but it talks yeah. a lot about this whole idea that. The way we change the way we think can actually mm. change the way we function, oh, like I physically. It's that. a really good book. Yeah, the body keeps the score. Body keeps the score. Thank you. Yeah. So I think right. back onto your peronies. I think we need to mm-hmm. get you to see Joe and try a bit of her shockwave therapy and see how you go with that too. Next, mm-hmm. we'll tell you about that after the show. Uh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. But the other, so this whole situation now has led to you have a lovely new relationship, and so on that whole front. Are you feeling quite positive about the quality of your life right now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I am very confident. I'm very confident that, it, you know, it, th- this, the injection therapy has, has um, presented us with a, a potentially long-term solution, mm-hmm. but is also opening up for the possibilities for further progress, mm. for recovery. And, and, yeah, and I can I can live with so long as I'm able to get a decent stiffy, and I can <laughs> really have a, a nice time jolly, with it. A jolly Roger. Yeah, and have, <laughs> yeah, and have, have my confidence back. Yeah, yeah. have the confidence in that because you know I know it's more important to some than others, but I'm a passionate person, mm. uh, and you know I want to be active sexually. And I also think mm. that. Um, I just think that you're braver than a lot that actually admit that it is important to you. I think it's probably important to a lot of people and certainly a lot of people listening. It's just that it's kind of people feel like guilty. I've survived cancer. I shouldn't care about whether or not I get an erection again. You know, like I should be satisfied. And I think that it's okay mm. to want it all. It's so. okay to mm. say I want back 
what was me before. Yeah, of course it is. It's okay to say I want the quality of life back. Mm. It is. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, that's all fantastic. So now let's talk about how you're not just looking after your own quality of life. This whole process has enabled you to change other people's quality of life in this amazing project you're doing. So mm. it would be great if you could tell us about that. That process of emptying a, a pouch out in a toilet I knew was not only undignified and uncomfortable, but it was also leading to skin trauma. And so I made some kit that enabled me to empty that pouch out, which happens anything up to 10 times a day. That often? Uh, yeah, oh. depending on you know what you're mm. eating, obviously. Yeah. And, um, and it um, making this kit allowed me to not have to worry about where the nearest toilet was and what condition that toilet was in and was I going to have to share the floor with someone else's waste and um, reduce the trauma around the skin and and so it became something that I felt very strongly immediately that I needed to make this available for other people as well and so an entrepreneurial journey has begun which has led to not only developing this project but also we've got materials we've discovered that will be flushable and we may even create a stoma pouch that's completely flushable which is what ostomates people with stomas have been wanting it's mm -hmm. what the stoma manufacturers have been trying to do for decades now and they've not managed it and we have and who are we mm. uh, you've got a, an organization uh, have you now we we call it you can as in you can reclaim your freedom you can normalize your lives and we there um there's myself and then now another a new director who's been guiding me there um, uh, we are working towards acquiring those materials that we need to test. We're going to test those materials, prove that they're going to do the job, and then um, and then we'll uh, talk to the stone manufacturers about whether or not they want to use our method. Mm. So mm. at the moment, and mm. you're the one that's had a stoma, so explain mm. to Joe and I, like, with the current stoma bags that are available, mm -hmm. what happens when you've got to empty it and you're in a public place? Well, the first thing is you've got to find a public toilet mm -hmm. and hope that you can get access to it. Yeah. You've then got to check its condition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you approach it and you've got to hope that in the process of emptying your pouch, for that type of pouch that I had, which is emptyable, you've got you to hope that you're going to be able to empty it without um, causing it to start leaking. Mm, or spilling over yourself. Yeah. Right. So, How hygienic mm. do you have to make the environment do you have to glove up and sanitize and all that sort of thing every time they don't tend to okay mm. and this is one of the challenges here because actually you're not encouraged to waste gloves i did initially and i went through boxes of them mm. so every time you go to do an empty or a change you will get crap all over your fingers mm. Mm. remembering uh, though we mm. don't wipe our own bums with gloves on do we so no but there's normally a barrier the tissue paper normally acts as a barrier unless you're really clumsy and then you miss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair enough, yeah. But so this is... As a general rule, um, you when you go to the loo, you don't end up with waste all over you, but when you have a stoma, you will end up with waste all over you. Okay. And you will. There's always a cleaning up process. It takes at least four times as long, mm -hmm. and we've worked out that... W we've worked out that um, people with a stoma are pretty much using about, I think, is it 12 to 20 times amount more time to go to the managing toilet. Managing their, their pouches right. than people without a stoma. 
Yeah, okay. It's a lot mm. of time out of your day, isn't it? Imagine yeah. us, Because when you just said mm. 10 times per mm. day, I, I'm i mm. so ignorant. I thought it would be mm. like one or two at the most. Mm. Right. It's more <coughs> in the early stages. So mm. so m- all complications also happen, the f- mostly all happen in the first year mm. uh, as you're getting used to it. Um, the, the, uh, uh, the early days where you, um, you're... Ilium, with an ileostomy, your ilium hasn't yet adjusted. So your colon normally takes the fluid out, yep. right? Not the ilium. Mm-hmm. So in the early stages, you've got all the fluid just washing through at the same time. And so you've got a lot more waste. So you go to empty a lot more frequently and mm-hmm. it's a lot wetter mix. So um, it's not until three plus months later that it gets a little bit less and it could be six to eight times but that's uh, if you have an ileostomy now you could have a colostomy that's where they take your colon Mm. and put that on the side of the body and obviously with that uh, it's much slower it's much less frequent and so what they do is they often um, offer a closed pouch instead so you just peel the pouch off chuck it in the bin okay so whatever you're looking at there's 600 million waste-filled pouches going to landfill every year. Not to mention, if you're mm. a bloke, like in a girl's mm. toilet, there's often, mm. you know, bits you can put your pad. But if you're yeah. a guy, like Joe's been through this, she came yeah. up with this program that's Australia-wide mm. now called, called Bins for Blokes. Good. Um, where yeah. we are trying to have sanitary bin and hygiene products put into bin facilities Good. in male toilets Well, this is an accessibility Australia. issue. Good on you, Joe. Because <laughs> it's a yeah. tricky thing. Like for guys mm. that have mm. those throwaway pouches, you've done a, you don't want to have to put it in a bag and stick it in your backpack, do you, and take it out with you? Which is often what has to happen. Yeah. So I made this kit and then I put Tupperware in my, my kit so that when I did take empty it all into a council waste bag, I could then tie it off and then put it into a Tupperware. And then, and then when I could find a, a suitable Dispose place to get uh, rid of it, then yep. I could do. But it was never good enough. That we always needed flushability. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now that we have flushability, where well, we think we have, but we need the materials to test. And mm. you're in that process right now. Is are, mm. are you doing the same for colostomy bags as well as leotomy bags? That's the intent. The intention yeah. is 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 to actually create this new pouch for 100 percent of people with stomas. Mm. And yeah. so it's a sustainability product. Absolutely. Um, I just saw that on your website. Mm. That's a big yeah. emphasis for your. Yeah. Project, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Mm. I think normalizing lies for me is the big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for those on the commercial side, the commercial argument that's the big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the next big thing for me is the sustainability element. You know, that's that that those pouches going to landfill are plastic. Mm. Th- those pouches, all those six hundred million pouches, that could fill the Empire State Building. Wow. There's that much in volume. Is, did you say yeah. six hundred million? Is it per year? Per year. Yeah. Per yeah. year. Ooh. So and that's worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. And and the odd thing about that is that actually what people are having to do is not even legal and it's not their fault. It's no one's fault. It's just that no one's found a way of solving the problem, but we think we have. That's what's exciting about this is we're just gonna do some good in different ways. So mm. let's just pretend I had an ostomy yep. and I had to go to the toilet and mm-hmm. at the moment I'd either have to empty it into the toilet, risk getting poo all over me. Um, or I'd have to take the bag off, put a new bag on. Mm-hmm. If there was a bin in the toilet, I could put it mm-hmm. in it. And if there wasn't, I'd have mm-hmm. to wrap it up in like a bag, put it in a Tupperware container, mm-hmm. put it in my backpack and mm-hmm. take it with me wherever I am. Yeah. But this new option 
yeah. is going to mean that my bag's full. I can whip it off, stick it in the toilet. Drop it in the loo. Feel completely happy that that's just going to flush away, dissolve, yeah. and it's no different to anyone else doing a poo and stick a new one on and yeah. off I go. Literally, we're going to bring people's lives in terms of the time yeah. back in line with people without stoners. I think that's amazing. So what what mm. do you need to help it get moving and translating to everyday people um, to help you, basically? W- we have to fund the next six to 12 months of trials f- of materials and uh, and my time in putting those trials together. So it's funding. But that's every startup, isn't it? it every is. startup that's bootstrapping needs... Yeah, um, these always need funds. So yeah. So at the moment you're under Siri, aren't you? That's the Entrepreneurs Centre. Yes, yeah, Centre for Ultra- Entrepreneurial Research and Innovation. Siri, they're in Netherlands, and and they've um, literally took me under their wing and given me training, support, and yeah. guidance, and and an office. So if mm. somebody out there listening, mm. a company, mm. a, uh, some philanthropist, someone like that is out there listening and going, "Well, I'd really like to help." Um, how would they go about doing that? Go to my website. Okay. Go to my website and then get in touch. And your website yeah. is you hyphen can c a n. Yep. dot org. dot org. Yeah. And we'll definitely put all that in the show notes. So I I mentioned mm-hmm. to you just when we met about the mm-hmm. Bow Babe Fund mm-hmm. in the UK mm-hmm. by Dame mm-hmm. Deborah James, mm-hmm. and Dame Deborah uh, has had bowel cancer since she was about 35 and she's now 40 and she's a, she's become an iconic figure in the United Kingdom for her work in bowel cancer awareness. Mm-hmm. So I would really um, think that hopefully we could link yourself up to that organisation because it's right there in the forefront and mm-hmm. um, Deborah James has even just been made into a dame because of her um, contribution to this and she is... Um, very open with her experience and she doesn't expect to live a whole lot longer. She's stopped all treatment now but she's been at the forefront and she's raised apparently I think close to today over 10 million pounds for education, research and bowel cancer awareness. So yeah, might be something that they would even be keen to Mm. um, Mm. link up with you with. So Mm -hmm. the world gets smaller. It does. And what about, you've got this new idea about rings. What's that? Mm. Yeah, so obviously in, along the journey I've tried rings to try to support the base of the penis. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're back to erections now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, that's my problem. I always end up back in the same spot. I've been told <laughs> off for it as well. <laughs> um, yeah, so the rings are not all that effective. Yeah. Um, if you've got that bottom base bit that's quite floppy. Mm-hmm. Now, I just need to get on the CAD software and, and get some silicon printer head and I'm going to make something that actually slots around the base. 3D printer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to print I'm going to print it and I've, I I think I know what I'm going to do with that because I and I've played with it with polyvinyl alcohol and it works. Great. So, I, I, that watch this space because I'm going to make something that's better than those rings. Well, when you want people to test them, Joe and I will be able to find you heaps of testers. That's good of you. Thank you. Uh, neither of us personally can test it, but we can find testers. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can find many testers. Yeah. So, that's yep. a ring to help sustain erections using the pump. Is that what you're talking about? Well, or constriction bands? Interesting. Um, if, you, if you can actually get an erection, the rings can help with this, with getting that erection if you start but then again you're always reliant on something that's going to be the right size as well 
Many men need rings, even ones that don't need a pump, so they can get mm. an erection but they can't mm. sustain it. So just mm. popping something on the base to hold it tight yep. um, and keep it there is often required. And there are mm. a few like lassos around that work reasonably well, but there's definitely room for improvement in that space. Don't improve stability. No, they don't. they don't. No, you're right because that's mm. the problem. There's your physiotherapy brain coming through. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> You've got to have a foundation of stability. <laughs> you're right though because when you yeah, have a yeah. ring on it kind of yeah. hinges at the base. Yeah, yeah. So let's watch this space mm. and we're going to mm. get you back to talk about the rings when they're done but um, mm. I think we need to wrap up now but thank you so much Steve for coming in. It's been amazing and we would um, hope anybody that wants to can go to Steve's website and contact him for more information. And thank you so much all for listening. Thanks, Jojo. Have you got anything to finish with? Oh, just I think the fact that your own through your own adversity, you're trying to cr- create a positive outcome for other people, and that that's very inspirational. So, yeah, all kudos for you for uh, thinking. Outside your own box. That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of you, but you know, and the odd thing about that is, is actually having that direction has been part of my recovery. Yeah, yeah. It's actually it's given me that more psychological energy. boost. It and has. Yeah. yeah, it's actually it's really assisted my recovery as opposed to me having to slog it out despite yep, yep. my issues. It's helped. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm fortunate. I know I'm very fortunate in that respect. And I know that yeah. the rest of you guys listening can't see, but mm. to see Steve now, he is a picture of health. He's fit. He's got nice rosy cheeks and mm. he's glowing. Mm. So um, mm. it's a good news story for Steve. It is. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much. Thank you. I'm going to tell you about a boy who lives inside me. Hi, this is Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We're getting so many emails, so many questions and so much feedback. And Melissa and I are absolutely thrilled about this. What we'd really love you to do, though, is to share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit, including any man in your life. Simply download using your favourite podcast app or subscribe to the penisproject.org. You'll get a weekly email and new releases, and this helps our podcast get more people. And if you write a review and subscribe as well, well, we'll get known more widely across the globe. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going. Women, just a mystery to me. I've got a boy of my own now It fills me with pride. See him growing so fast into a man